Hello and welcome to Creative Lives, the Lecture in Progress podcast. Lecture in Progress is an online resource that inspires and informs the next generation of creatives by providing practical insight and advice into the day-to-day industry. Throughout this series, we'll be talking to creatives working across a range of different disciplines and job roles, asking what they do, where they do it, and how they got to where they are now. This week's guest is Frankie Goodwin. My name is Frankie Goodwin. I'm a creative director at Saatchi & Saatchi London. Frankie has been a creative director at Saatchi & Saatchi since 2013, alongside working as an executive producer at her own company, Western Edge Pictures. Um, I am very lucky to be able to do both things alongside. Having graduated from Glasgow School of Art with a degree in visual communication in 1999, she talks to us about where it all began, how her two roles complement each other, and her experience of founding her own company. Saatchi is relatively traditional in the sense that it's a creative director role. It's an integrated role in the sense that I work across film, digital, everything. But I only really started in advertising four years ago. I graduated as a graphic designer and I did a year in corporate graphic design, which I met lots of really great people. But within the first year, I'd already sort of felt like I'd chosen the wrong path, having done a very, very creative degree. And I was very lucky in the sense that I was asked by someone who used to work at my first company to come and help him on a website that he was making for Mike Figgis in Venice. And this was so long ago that that even the word website was sort of daring. And certainly nobody knew what they were doing or how much to pay for it. And so filmforward.com, as they were at the time, threw some money at this sort of guerrilla filmmaking website idea that Mike Figgis was very interested in doing. Now, what came out of that was an amazing set of content before the word content. We didn't know we were creating content, but we were. And we were scooping up all these actors and generating music on set and doing all this sort of stuff very spontaneously based on the talent we had at our fingertips and the fact that we had the internet to put it on. And so there was an immediacy to that. And then we came back from Venice and we were very proud of ourselves and thought we'd made the best thing ever, which we had. And we thought, right, we'll set up a company selling this idea to all movies because all movies should have this kind of website every single one of them and that was in 2001 and we spent like 10 years trying to convince people to do what we'd done in Venice it sounds ridiculous but convincing the film industry extending the world of a film onto the internet was important at the same time as bringing a kind of design and branding way of developing movie campaigns my role grew as the internet grew and as movie campaigns went from being a film poster and a trailer to being what we could make them as a creative company by getting involved in the production. And so when I made the move into creating content and ideas and ultimately advertising in the more traditional sense, the challenge became very different. And my role at Saatchi, it comes from a background in basically developing movie campaigns and telling stories about stories. And because I don't think I have had those boundaries on the idea of media or the idea of convention because I wasn't in an advertising world. I came in, I kind of learnt the language and now I'm sort of running old ideas and new ideas alongside because ultimately storytelling is storytelling. My role is relatively traditional. The only thing that's untraditional about it is that I do it four days a week and on the fifth day I go to our office in Finsbury Park and I work with my partner to run a feature film company. When I decided to stop selling movies to people, it was because the independent film business is not a very lucrative one. It's hard when films are made on a budget to convince people to spend some of that budget 
creating marketing assets before they've even got a product um, was a very hard thing to do. I realised that through the people I met in film that the best way to make sure that did happen was to become a producer. The only way to guard the marketing budget and to make sure that the film that you're making has enough assets to sell it is to be a producer. And also I get to work on films that I believe have a market. So I'm still a marketeer, I'm not a director, I'm a strategic producer I guess you could say. And I bring all the, my experience of, of selling movies and developing campaigns for movies and working with productions and now my advertising background. Trying to make sure that the films that we make are geared to the audience we think they have and that we have the assets to tell that audience about them. And it's quite an unusual role um, and it's something I totally invented and it works really well. And that also involves potentially bringing in brands where there's an opportunity to do that or partners or making additional content or making viral things. And, but also, very traditionally, just making sure the poster's not shit and that the titles are good and that the whole thing feels like a package rather than a disparate element of things. When I was growing up, after I got over the fact that I wasn't going to be a Russian gymnast, my mum is an artist and I had a sense that I wanted to go to art school. And I also knew quite early on that I wasn't an artist in the way that I wasn't going to wake up like Barbara Hepworth every morning with a burning passion to make stuff. But I sort of always wanted to put words into my art. And by the time I got to foundation course, I just liked rules. I liked being told, even if it was just like blind drawing or you can only draw this life model for the next two minutes and then you have to stop. Like I liked the rules that you put around creativity in order to get different output. So I think I realised when I got out of college I was going to be a graphic designer because that was the title on my degree. And I must have at some point decided that that was a good idea. My studies were influenced by the fact that I went to an art school that let me be an artist and a designer at the same time. So I studied at Glasgow School of Art, which is, I believe, the best art school in the world. I chose Glasgow because they did life drawing all the way through to fourth year. And I was staring down the barrel of quite a lot of d design courses, which is what I knew I wanted to do. I wanted to answer a brief. But I was staring down the barrel of a lot of design courses that would have stuck me on a Mac, probably year one, and not really thought about letting me off it. And I didn't really know how to use a computer until I bought one for myself in fourth year and stayed up till four in the morning trying to work out what the hell Quark was. Because I went to an art school that was about drawing and mark making and photocopying stuff and telling stories and just visually communicating your ideas, not getting too bogged down with what was in Creative Review or what famous graphic designer was doing what. And I think that was partly the great thing about being in Scotland was that there's something to be said for being a bit isolated and having blinkers on fashion in a way and not being too fashionable. And I've never tried to be very fashionable in the work that I do. I think we don't give enough attention to sort of longevity and that trends come and go and that real real ideas stick around forever and I think that was what I learned at Glasgow that pure idea generation and that stayed with me my whole life. My first job was at SAS in London in the early noughties and it was a very straight kind of corporate graphic design job and at the time I thought I wasn't learning anything I wasn't growing as a human being I wasn't doing very good work and I couldn't really wait to leave and I stuck around for a year because there was something in me that thought that would be a good idea. 
and that even though I was, was above the whole thing and uh, I was so much better than this boring job doing designing stuff for BT and Jaguar that I should stick around and I should give it some time and, and, um, and try and get better at what I was doing. And, I, and then I left and I left at the right time and I had this fantastic opportunity to go and make a crazy website and set up a company and do all these things I knew I should be doing. But if I hadn't had that year in the industry where I learned how to be professional and I learned from some really brilliant art directors about how to kern type and choose colour and talk like a grown-up and behave like a grown-up in front of other grown-ups, I would have been really bad at the rest of my career, I think. And I think sticking out some stuff you don't really enjoy early on, if, if deep down you know you're learning and, you, and the people around you are great, is really important. So I think you get asked, from the minute you have a job, you get asked how to get one. And, and you can literally be 22 and going, I don't know, I, I, don't, I can't even, I, I, it's a mystery to me. And obviously the answer is there's no one way to get a job, there's no one way to meet the person that will inspire you, you just have to get on the path and get on the ladder. But I think putting a face to your name is really important. I think you get emails or you get sent links and the more amazing online portfolios become, the less anyone looks at them in a way. And whether it's doing meetups or doing something like AdCan or just having that opportunity to see someone in the flesh and then go up and say hi, you've got a much more higher chance of that person then replying to you. Because it's, it's humanizing a process that everybody has been through. Um, but it's so easy to delete an email. I think in a digital age, trying to make human connections is probably just one way to cut out a lot of the digital noise that you're fighting against when you send an email or send a link or tweet someone or whatever it is. This episode of Creative Lives was brought to you by Lectrum Progress. It was presented by me, Will Hudson, and the guest was Frankie Goodwin, interviewed by Indy Davies. The producer was Ivor Manley. Lecture in Progress is made possible by the support of a number of brand patrons. They include GF Smith, Squarespace, and the Paul Smith Foundation. For more information, visit lectureinprogress.com. Lecture